the athletic is gonna be it's gonna be ESPN. That, bro, I was just thinking, like I swear, I was just thinking the other day as far as the athletic, how they have a big following. I'm like, dang, all they need next is a uh, channel, the TV network, and they gonna get uh, it. Next Sports Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're gonna start competing. I, I can see it. We're now listening to the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast. Here are your hosts, Deontay Epps and Dane Beasley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast. My name is Deontay Epps and on the other side of me is my brother, Dane Beasley. Dane, how are you doing on this wet and rainy morning? Pretty good, man. All things considered, pretty good. Pretty good. Ready for another interesting and excited, exciting episode of the podcast. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, we are now what episode seventeen, pushing through these things, and we once again we want to thank Derwin Graham for coming on with us last episode and gave us the insight on the Last Dance documentary. We got a lot of feedback. We got a lot of. Uh, comments and people that tuned into the episode so we want to thank him for once again taking his time out to come and talk to us on his busy schedule and uh yeah for real lance that lance documentary aired yesterday but i didn't get a chance to watch it but apparently it's it's pretty in depth and good yeah and he was he was mentioning that uh documentary yesterday our last podcast so i'm gonna have to check that out our 17th episode, bro, and we are like, I think maybe like six episodes, six or seven episodes into not having any kind of sports at all. So it's been, we've been very fortunate to have mm-hmm. stories come out that, you know, help us mm-hmm. have content for sure. And on Friday, it seems like we got more of a green light as far as the return of sports. Um, On Friday, the NCAA announced that they will allow sports to return in certain phases. And the article I have up is from Yahoo and it's from May 22nd. And that is Friday. That is Friday. Uh, says it's not just football and basketball players who can return to their campuses and start voluntary workouts in June. The NCAA announced Friday the athletes in all sports can resume voluntary activities beginning June 1st. The announcement comes two days after the governing body said football and basketball players could start voluntary activities on June 1st. The NCAA's decision means conferences and schools can start making their own decisions regarding when athletes are able to come back. The SEC said Friday that voluntary football activities could start as soon as June 8th at its member schools. And then I think that same day, it's not in this article, but later in the day, the Big 12 announced that their football players can come back June 15th. Further on in the article, it says the NCAA said the countable athletic activities would be banned through June 30th for football and basketball players. That means that required in-person activities supervised supervised by coaches are banned until at least July 1st. So they're allowing the players to come to work out 
and without without coaches present. So it'll be players, maybe Long some day. trainers, yeah, stuff like that. Ooh. And along with that, Dane, the NBA also announced like they're planning some stages as far as returning to resume their season because they're they they're in the middle of their season as we all know and they're the uh commissioner adam silver is trying to figure out a way to bring back the the uh season but at the right time the right methods because i think and this is a whole nother sport but uh i remember oklahoma coach lincoln riley saying he only got one shot to do it right because you know, lives are at stake, people's health are at stake. And so Adam Silver, there's an article and I have it in front of me. Mm. This is crazy. I thought man. I had it in front of me. Let me see. You saw with the, the NBA timetables and the what ifs? Yeah, do you have it? Um, yes, I do. The guidelines, the expect the expectations and guidelines. Uh, let me scroll. Yeah, yo. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm no, dead. I'm looking for. It might have been in that other article that I killed. The That's athletic one. Oh, it was two weeks old. So, Maybe. so basically, there are different type of scenarios that the NBA is working out as far as trying to resume their season. It seems like right now that they're going to have, whether it's all the teams come back or just playoff teams come back, whatever scenario they decide, they're going to have them come back to one location. And that location right now looks like the Walt Disney World Sports Complex. Of course. Which makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because um, the ESPN, Disney, their partnership, Disney owns ESPN, ABC, so it only makes sense for Disney to get it. And I think that gave Disney World the advantage over Las Vegas because I, f- I believe Las Vegas was another contender to resume yeah, the season. So it looks like right now Walt Disney World is in the lead as far as securing <laughs> the campus. Of this, this Obviously, it's going to be different, Dane. Are there any anything that kind of hesitates you from from resuming if they're going to resume in a campus like setting where all the teams are in one location. Yeah. One big giant smoldering infection in one place. That's a possibility. Um, you have all of your top talent. Well, I'm assuming all of your top talent in the NBA, all in one place where that, that Rona is just incubating right there. Uh, if for example, someone has it and of course the thing might be laying dormant within their body so one of the issues that was brought up during the old polling process was how comfortable the players would be or how uncomfortable the players would be if they would have if they were mandated to be uh coronavirus tested um and a lot of that pushback just had to do with the you know it's a very uncomfortable test i'm not sure how better uh the testing has been administered, but if anybody, if anybody's curious as to what that testing looks like, just go ahead and YouTube or Google the coronavirus testing swab. They take like a, the base looks like a Q-tip, not this long, and they stick it up your nose. And right, they get back there and scrub some of that. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I think 
that's like a concern for the players. I I read that the players don't want to do that kind of testing where, you know, they swap basically up to your brain, to your nose. And so they're trying to do research and they're getting all of these health facilities and stuff together to try to figure out another way to test either by saliva through, I don't know, other ways, but they're trying to figure out a certain way to do it because the players aren't, because through what the protocol they're trying to do is to have testing almost every day to ensure that, you know, players are healthy. They don't have the virus and things of that nature. So I think to, and it seems like the players want to return. Some of the top players in the league got together, you know, to help resume and talk to the commissioner to resume these talks to get, you know, playing, getting the everything set up to resume play. So the players want to play, but to you want to do it the best way possible. You want to ensure that you're safe, especially if they're talking about bringing families to the location right. too, because there was a lot of concern that, you know, you have these players at one site for however long the rest of the season is going to go and they won't be with their families. So they're trying to get the families to be able to stay there with the players. And so if you have, that's even, you know, the more people have a chance to get this virus. So you want to be absolutely certain without a shadow of a doubt that, you know, there won't be any way that they can contract this virus. So I found the article, by the way, it was on the athletic. It wasn't on ESPN. My bad. I, for whatever reason, I just assumed it was on ESPN. It wasn't. It was on right. everything. Was so what? Yeah. Since you have it in front of you, is that the one with the different scenarios they're trying to figure out? Yeah. So the season formats that they consider, um, there is a lot of them. There, <laughs> there is a lot of them. But I'll I'll go through them pretty quickly. So the first one is the advance directly to the playoffs. 16 teams, four rounds, best of seven series with postseason teams based on the standings as of March 12th. So right. it's great for the teams who have, are already, you know, at the at the top of the the, the the top of the league who have been consistently winning games and, of course, at the top of their conferences. That's great for them. However, those teams that are on the cusp of making the, you know, getting a seed or getting a spot, this doesn't help them at all. Because it's like, well, we were just about to turn it on. We just, you know got so-and-so back from an injury, stuff like that, that doesn't help them. Second option, the playoff plus option. I actually like this one. This is where they expand the number of teams with the opportunity to play, either through holding a play-in tournament to determine the final seeds in the playoffs or uh, to be played by a bubble team or replace the first round of the playoffs with the group stage. So it's sort of like your your March Madness tournaments and, and the way that they, of course, uh, get their spot in the what did we start out with the sixty four or thirty two? Sixty four. Sixty four, okay. What am I getting thirty two mixed up on? I don't know. Maybe it's after the first round it's thirty two like okay, whatever. So it's it'd be sorta of, sorta of like playing to get into um the play yeah, uh, the playing. Um so I I kinda like that one. So that's I mean um, so if it's a playoff, uh, the playoff plus and the teams would return to be 18, 20, 22 or 24. That's another thing that I have to worry about because you pick a number. You're going to leave out, you know, a number of teams who were on the cusp of getting there. So uh, there another option is to resume regular season games with all 30 teams. All teams play the same number of games. And then, of course, there's the resume 
uh, regular season with all 32 or all 30 teams plus the plan. So all teams play the same number of games, followed by a playing tournament for the final seed and the traditional playoffs. So then there's the playoffs plus play in formats <laughs> option. So that's the play in tournament featuring bubble teams for the eighth seed, a play in tournament for seventh and eighth seed or group stage to replace the first round of the playoffs and all participating uh, and all participating in groups. Each team plays two games against each other or question. Sorry. Each team plays two games against each group opponent and the top two teams from each group advance to the traditional second round. So it's basically just a, not a, a, a free for all, but it's everyone plays each other. Whoever has the best record advances to the next, uh, the next grouping. Then from there they do a traditional second round, a lot, and then of course games prior to any restart. There's just a lot, and there's like you alluded to already. You're gonna do this. They're gonna do this one way, and then it's gonna piss a lot of people off. But it's whatever decision they make, they have to stick with it, and they have to be able to defend that. And that's gonna be the toughest part. Right. I think I don't think they should bring back teams that have no shot at the playoffs. Like. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a waste of time and like Who are you, Deontay? Huh? Who are you, Deontay? Who are you, hey, Deontay? I'm just saying, you got this virus going around. You don't want to bring a team back that doesn't have there any There is a ten win team out there that deserves the same fair chance <laughs> as a team that only no, has ten losses. No. Heck no. <laughs> heck no. But like what what what's weird about it though, cause if they don't bring back teams that don't have a shot at the playoffs. Well, then how do you figure out the? Well, I guess it's different. The draft order they do a a draft lottery anyway, but that there's right. still a process as far as the percentage and odds and how many lottery balls they have. So that is just a headache. That if they I don't, don't have, do it properly, they're gonna mess up some money because a lot of revenue, a lot of revenue comes from gambling, and you can't have any type of. Las Vegas don't have anything to play with if you have some sort of janky system. So, yeah, yeah. gambling yeah, for that lost money from gambling, and if certain teams don't come back or aren't allowed to finish the season because they don't have playoffs, you lose out on TV revenue money that they would have been playing on TV. So it's just <laughs> that's gambling too. Yeah, <laughs> you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a problem that. I'm sure the commissioner is trying to deal with and the the board or whoever is trying to deal with. And that that is something like, like you say, either way is going to be like, why did you do it this way? You should have done it that way. Why did you do it this way? You should have done it that way. So we'll see. They're, uh, they're supposed to hold a board of governors call on Friday, May 29th. So we'll have more information about how they want to resolve the season. But it see it does seem like there's going to be some type of resolution to the season for NBA. Now I did so not of, see. Oh, go ahead. My last question before before you move on. Out of all the possible listings or all the the possibilities, what do you think is the most controversial play? If this is done, this will cause the most controversy. Like, what do you think that is? Probably advancing directly to playoffs. Oh, is that your final answer? I well, just off the top of my head, because you're gonna have those teams that are right on the cusp of making an eight seed that want to fight mm-hmm. for a playoff spot that won't get a chance to because of unfortunately 
the virus that just basically changed everything. You, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look and see at all the scenarios in front of me. You have one for you. For for me, in my opinion, the most controversial will be reseeding the entire, uh, all the playoff teams. Instead of going conference, conference, east, west. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you could potentially end up with a, I don't know. Lakers could be first round. Yeah, man. Yeah, it would would be so ugly. Like, historically, looking back at that five years from now, like, ew. Yeah. Yeah. and another, from the same thing, another thing that could alter the NBA forever is, you know, how this season could possibly end in, say, the last latest possible date for finish, either on Labor Day, September 15th, October 1st, October 15th, November 1st. You're going to have to push back the start of the next season. So that could be competing with another sport. Right. Well, they don't want to. Well, in my opinion, I, I feel like they wouldn't want to do that. So I think maybe nope. they want to. They end up pushing back the start till end of December, maybe January, because they know then the beginning of their games are going to compete with the end. I mean, they're not going to compete ratings wise, number wise, against the NFL. But just like having ratings aside, just being able to start on time or at a time where you want to have enough time for your players to rest after finishing one season. So it, it might end up being a permanent change where they start, you know, December or January every year and maybe can bring down the number of games per year. So that's we'll something see. that's something to look out. And yeah, on February, excuse me, Friday, May 29th, the, they're holding another meeting to try to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, so we have NFL or excuse me, NCAA having their kind of phases and programs oh, wow. to try to set back. You have NBA, you have high school. Dane UIL announced that they're going to start letting their athletes work out June eighth at the facilities, and of course they have certain guidelines that you must have in place at your school. And the marching band and the marching band can't forget the marching band. Uh, certain guidelines so it just seems like we're we're and i see you shaking your head i'm gonna get to you but it seems like i don't want to say normalcy because you know the virus is still out there but it seems like we're they're trying to get back to sports so how i see like you said i see you shaking your head so what what's your feelings on that we are at the point deontay where instead of just doing the responsible thing and saying, you know what, we just need to go without something that we love or cherish for X amount of time until this thing completely flattens to the point of possibly bringing this thing back and doing more harm than help. Because I don't know about you, Deontay, but in the perfect world, it shouldn't be so important to sacrifice the health of not only the fans that are there, but sacrificing the health or the health of some of these guys who make a career out of using their bodies. Um, It says a lot that we're trying or they're attempting to make this work without knowing what the 
what the end game is for this this virus. You know, we're they're putting out you know how to guides about conducting business as usual when we're not we're, we haven't shown. I don't think there's been any type of signs of this thing slowing down. But here we are, Americans prioritizing their entertainment over the health of the general populace. It's just, it's very weird. Like, I don't know what those foreign circles look like or how they portray, you know, the Americans, but it certainly, it probably doesn't look good considering the what's going on, people returning outside like it's normal, like everything's fine now. So, well, like, even in, you know, on the other side of the world, they're trying to resume sports with soccer with no fans there. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, it, this virus is not, it's going to be here forever. It's just trying to figure out how to um, live with it. Live with it. And <laughs> uh, apparently, I'm not a doctor, but supposedly a solution as far as having a, a, a what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Vaccination? Vaccine. 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 Uh, Apparently a vaccine is supposed to be a fall thing. We don't know. Who's who's testing that and who's the population? I I, I don't know anything about that. I think... I think if... That wasn't a general question to you. I was just like throwing the question. I'm like, yeah, who knows? We're supposed to trust... How right. this thing is being tested? Like why? <laughs> uh, right. And, no, but but you you came up with a great example. Now I've seen videos of people like since they say it's supposed to be a twenty five percent open or whatever in Texas, but people are still going back out and doing reckless Ross. things. As far as I saw a video of somebody in the Ozarks, it was like a full on pool party yeah, at, at least. Bro. 500 people like in a closed space people aren't people aren't aren't being smart right now in this era or in this particular time period you know uh, you can say yeah. yeah you can say no it. no yeah so what you were saying about you know the sacrifice people they it can't be it can't be done in my opinion because people it's, are home people are no one's on that, the same page bro and that's yeah. the that's the worst part about it. like I'm I would really hope, and it's my, if everyone could possibly keep their jobs during this time, I would be all for it. I know people still have to make money, but you reopening your store and providing discounts up to 50% off just for the sake of selling a product, that is negligent. Like, talked about the giant pool party at the Ozarks, but all those Rosses, like, you said, we seen those like Tristan, like is Ross even that good, man? I, I, I don't. I mean, you, you can you can find some pretty decent stuff. Like, I mean, I but it's not worth catching, you know, yeah. a virus and being on a ventilator for a month. It's not the worth Rosses that. That I have been to, and if ever in the future we ever got a sponsorship for Ross, it would not happen because I'm about to say <laughs> hey, this. Shout out to y'all, Ross. <laughs> Ross is. I don't know if it's just the ones I've been to, but 
it's not organized. Everything is everywhere nah. in Ross, and I don't know. If it's well, I don't know. Would... You might be getting a little. You might be speaking <laughs> prematurely because maybe during this whole time of during the, the Corona, they had the opportunity to organize things. <laughs> it's like it's just so chaotic in there to me. It's a very chaotic story. Everything is always not where it's supposed to be. That's true. Especially uh, that shoe section. You look in because they sometimes they'll have some they have some like you know J's or, or stuff in there. It's like wait a minute, why are these only twenty five dollars? And they're authentic. They're authentic shoes, and the, the size twelves will be in the women's eights or something <laughs> like that. And it's like how's this over here? It's like ah, somebody hid this over here so they can come back to it and then we get paid on the fifteenth. It's like boom, there you go. I don't even know how we got to Ross. Oh, people just being weird. Yeah, and those lines, bro. Yeah. Like those lines, like this, like, come on, bro. I don't <sighs> understand it. So I, I, I blame some of those, those big corporations for pre- preying on the, the, not the weak minded. Cause you know, I, I mean, given the snitch, the right situation, I can end up in a line, you know, trying to get a, a new laptop for $15 or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you provide me the discount on the right product, I might be out there. So I'll ask you this. So if in a perfect world where sports resumes and they have the highest quality of concern for the for the athletes, for the people involved in the sports, they take all the necessary health protocols as far as social distancing, as far as testing for the players and if they decide to have fans that they're tested or whatever prior to prior to seating at a game and they're socially distanced in the seating however many people that is would you be satisfied with sports coming back in that capacity if everything is done the way it's supposed to be supposed to be and it's supposed to be as well. uh, it depends on the outcome. Yeah, it, dep- it depends totally on. The, and I know that's if they done if they have done everything they possibly could to make sure that every person is safe that is inside the building. That's fine for that day. We won't know anything until maybe a week or two weeks after that event. But by that time, that particular person might have or people, those ten people that went to that sporting event have now gone to three separate sporting events. And we're back to where we started. And we're back to where we started. <laughs> because you can't, I don't know what type of system they create to track it. And if, even if there is a system to track it, who would agree? I mean, well, obviously everyone's being tracked right now because you've got a smartphone being tracked. But who would agree to a system like that is that meticulous? You know? So my issue wouldn't be with the day that they do it. My issue would be within the two weeks following that where they issue, or, or my issue with the issue. That's that's what's going to be the, the 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 headline, right? You know. So, did you see that it? photo? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. I don't know if you saw it from a Georgia Tech football game from 1918 with the people in mass. Spanish flu. I'm trying to read. It. Yeah, what what pandemic was it? says what was what else was happening on that full afternoon just masks strapped to their faces in October 1918 as the allies near victory in World War 1 the spanish flu good job dane the spanish flu outbreak swept through it was just a little photo people were passing around or going out viral cuz it's a possibility of fans having 
they're making they're probably gonna make fans wear masks at the games. But I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, we'll we will see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna mask on. I'm gonna take it off. Take a sip of my drink. <laughs> Put it back on. Like, I, know how. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna work. Like yeah. this is insane. Like I just have so many questions, Deontay. Like legally, if you're going to allow, I don't know if you're gonna allow max. If your stadium holds a hundred thousand people, are you gonna cap it at fifty? Are the ticket prices gonna you know double? Are the drink prices are they going to double or like what like what is how's the seating arrangement going to be like if I bring five family members with me do we have to sit you know <laughs> thirty seats apart like it, I have too many questions like I don't ah uh, you're asking great questions and this man. is from somebody who's never been to a professional sporting event so <sighs> if I have these questions imagine with someone who's been to a season ticket holder what type of questions they have so. Yeah. That's funny. Like, not funny, but just thinking, like, how yeah, logistics bringing you bring man, it's like me and my five bros. We going to the game. Man. Hey, down because we got a distance. That's crazy. Yeah, I there's still a lot of questions, man. And, you know, we still have time before fall hits as far as football is concerned. But then, still- you got to think about the ventilation system. Like, you have one person that sneezes or coughs. Like, how is... I don't... I know one thing that's going to happen. Somebody sneezing. <laughs> hey. What? Watch yourself. <laughs> Might get jumped. Um, yeah, I don't know, bro. I, I don't know. This is uncharted territory. Well, no, it's not, because this has happened before. A long time ago. long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Right now, they're slowly but surely allowing, in baby steps, it seems like, allowing the players to come back in some capacity. So, so question for you, Beyonce. I mean, side question. So, you know, your boy Luca, he, you know, went back overseas when this whole thing, you know, took place or happened or is happening. So that is the cash cow of the Dallas Mavericks. For now and the foreseeable future, that is the cash cow. You, I don't remember what place. I know y'all were teetering, like. Yeah, I think we're six or seven right now. Okay. No, y'all are teetering that spot. So what does that look like if Luca decides, you know what? I'm not coming back. I think it's within my best interest for my future to sit out. Like, how does that look? Crazy. And then another question on top of that. I'm going to build on top of that. I, I don't know, go to a prestigious football program, let's say Alabama. And the only reason why I chose to leave from my place of residence, let's say California, to come to Alabama is because I had the opportunity to play under one of the greatest coaches in all of history. And with the possibility of him helping me get to the next level of being a professional athlete. What does that look like? My parents not allowing me to go to voluntary workouts at your campus, like, what? How does that? If it's com- if it's completely voluntary, I am a starter. I am projected to be in the third, you know, second round of the NFL draft this upcoming year, and my parents don't feel comfortable with sending me back to Alabama from California to play 
or practice, how does like there's just so many questions, bro? A- am I as a fan? Am I answering this or as a coach? You can answer as a fan, as a coach, as a parent, as a rival. Like, <laughs> as how a, do you? As if I'm the fan of Alabama at that point. I I could under well Al, okay <laughs> I don't yeah. want to judge Alabama fans but I feel like a lot of Alabama fans would not like that of course me personally I would understand it because I'm aware of what this virus can do I've had someone that I know personally that's had the virus I mean they got <laughs> through it thank God but you know that this is not a game like this is real life stuff. And I, I understand that the virus is something that's not to be played with. So me personally, I would understand that decision. I don't think most people would I, if it's their favorite team. And then you said Luca as well. I would understand as a person that he's making the best decision for his health, his well-being, yeah. stuff like that. But I don't think – personally, I don't think the normal – like diehard fan would understand, like especially since the NBA is trying to come out with these certain protocols, all these different organizations are coming out with these protocols to ensure everybody's safe and healthy. The average fan would probably say, man, why aren't you coming back? You'll be fine. Numbers are going down. We have all the, they have all this testing going on to get things in control. So that that is a very good question that you raised. And it's something that, well, and it's only going to take that one superstar, unfortunately, like to get like the highest superstar to get it now was like at what's who Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, freaking Patrick Ewing got it the other day. And boy, Von Miller. Von Miller, yeah, who, Von Miller. Who, got who, is, who, who is an asthmatic. Yeah, and, and plays had- in Mile High, which you lose. You know, it's not the it's the toughest. Place. It's probably yeah. one of the toughest places to play if you have any type of health concerns, right. autoimmune disease, like any like. Big point. Good point. So, it's, and a pair, and I think I read an article, and I forgot to put it in the notes, Dane. But he's it was like maybe from a week ago. He was still having breathing yeah. issues. And this and like, is one I, of the best pass rushers in NFL history. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that tells you something. Like right. he, yes, he's a borderline superhuman because he's because of his athletic abilities and the work that he's put in over the years. But even him, I mean, I know it might be a bad example because he has asthma. Even him, he's having some trouble returning to that. You know, hundred percent right. pre COVID nineteen. Like that's right. That's and telling I, you something. Too. I have asthma too. And when this virus hit, like when it was, the numbers were going crazy here in Waco, <laughs> I wasn't leaving the house. Cause you know, having asthma, you're more, you know, you're on that risk, high risk, high risk level of, you know, contracting the virus or the virus affecting you more than the average person. So I've definitely all those episodes where we're talking about practicing safe, and social distancing, I was in my house 95% of the time, if not 100. 5%. So. It was worth it. That 5% was worth it, Deontay? Wow. <laughs> I think I maybe stepped wow. out, you know, to let the dogs out or something like that. But <laughs> it's it's crazy that I'm you mentioned that because it's still real, 
life and it's still going on right now. There may be some numbers going down in places and that's great. And that's, I attribute that to people doing the right thing, doing the right cause. And so healthcare professionals, people still have to wave. Yeah. That second wave, man. Like that's what I fear when I, I read all this stuff. All I think about is, man, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but that second wave is, boy, if we thought that we're, we've exhausted a lot of resources right now or it's sick and tired of being in the house right now, if in fact, which I pray to God, there isn't a second wave. You know, right now it's not a, as far as what I've seen video-wise of what people have chose to do. We'll see what happens. What happens with that? We don't know what we don't know. That's the crazy part about this whole thing. This story happened, first was reported a little over a week ago, but we feel the need to cover it because it is a very, we think it's very important. And it's regard to the NFL, it's regard to minority candidates, that kind of thing. So here's the title of the article from the NFL.com and Jim Trotter says owners to vote on resolution to incentivize minority head coach and GM hires. Article says during his state of the league address three months ago at Super Bowl at the Super Bowl in Miami, Commissioner Roger Goodell acknowledged the need to increase the opportunities for minorities to become head coaches and general managers. Clearly, we are not where we want to be on this level, he said. It's clear we need to change. We have already begun discussing those changes. What stages, what can, what stages can we take to determine better outcomes? So what they initially came up with, said sources spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitive nature of the topic, of course. The league declined to comment Friday on the specific agenda for Tuesday's meeting, but if the resolutions were to be voted in under the league policy on equal employment and workplace diversity, they would work as follows. If a team hires a minority head coach, the team in the draft preceding the coach's second season would move up six spots from where it is slotted to pick in the third round. A team would jump 10 spots under the same scenario for hiring a person of color as its primary football executive, a position more commonly known as general manager. <laughs> if a team were to fill both positions the same year, the team could jump 16 spots, six for the coach, 10 for the GM, and potentially from the top of the third round to the middle of the second round. Another incentive, a team's fourth round pick would climb five spots in the draft preceding the coaches or GM's third year if he is still with the team. So I'm not going to go more in depth on this. You, I mean, basically it's you hire a minority candidate, you get a better draft pick. Not a first round pick, but that doesn't necessarily matter. But yeah, man, we both, when this happened, they we both take ball, man. Yeah. Hey. I thought it was. A, I thought when we originally seen this, I thought this was some sort of. Oh man, the onion has made its way over to the NFL, you know, dot com like that. This is not 
this is not for real. Like, this is... No way. Jordan Peele couldn't have wrote anything like this. Like, right. no. <laughs> right. And so we know, we know what, how many minority head coaches do we have now in the league? I want to say um, two. Is it more? I'm counting Tom, yeah, Mike Brian, Tomlin. Yeah, Brian and, Flores. Okay. Three. Brian uh, Flores, Mike uh, Tomlin, and Ron Rivera. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a small number, and it hasn't really changed within the past, you know, twenty or so years. Very small number. Right. But so we can we can agree that that is a problem in the NFL, or that, yeah, that is a problem in the NFL. However, this is not the way to fix that. You can't sit up here and tell me that my worth if, as a black man being hired as a coach is is worth six moving up six draft picks. Right. Like that's we do that's, agree. We agree that this is something that. Needs to be fixed, but this is not the way to go about fixing no. it. I, and I'm, no, no, I've been no, no, thinking no. so long for a way to fix it, it just... and, and I haven't, I haven't been able to come up with a, 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 I don't know what would be a correct way, but I can give you examples of why this needs to be fixed. Case in point: last off season, when Eric Bieniemy, <clears throat> the hottest supposedly one of the best offensive minds, offensive coordinators for the Kansas City Chiefs led them to a Super Bowl. He didn't even get a sniff at a head coaching opportunity. He may have gotten an interview, but it was more like a team trying to um, do their part in the Rooney Rule, which only allows, yeah. or, which only the Rooney Rule only requires you to interview one minority candidate. And it could that more minority candidate can be in your facility, like it would be somebody on yeah. your staff. So maybe a former player that just right. retires, like hey, right. it could be someone in your building. So which I, I, even that I, is flawed, right? Could be flawed. So like for example, like Jerry Jones knew he wanted to hire Mike McCarthy, but he had to Marvin Lewis. Oh, right. like, come on, bro. Marvin like, Lewis he, and didn't they interview Chris Rashard too? Was that the, last year? Yeah, or, I think I think they did. They okay. did. I know they did last year. Yeah, I think they might have done that this year too. But I think there's one no way. One way they could. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you kind of what top, I think. Starts, yeah, at, starts the top. at the top. You need more opportunities to be interviewed if you're a minority candidate. So, for example. Bring up the Rooney Rule, but instead of having one candidate, maybe three, maybe five, set a, a higher number than one. And those candidates have to be outside your facility. They can't be a minority candidate. Like one can, like one of your interviews can be from someone within, but the rest can be from outside that building. It makes you have to branch out and give those upper opportunities for people that's not in your building. That's that's as far as I got on the plan, but this this plan that they had here, man, that's that was that's, hot garbage. It, it was degrading, <laughs> and I, it it's just scrapped it. And you know, th- they heard the oh, they definitely heard that. They heard what people were saying about this, and they tabled it. So they not they're not going to vote on it right now. They pushed it back to a further time, which I don't know what that is, but. Yeah, man. How? Oh, what? What? What do you think needs to be done 
if you have any ideas about what needs to be done about getting more minorities opportunities in the NFL. This has to come from this needs to come from players and it needs to come from coaches. Um, that are aware that the issue exists and they need to talk about what type of blind spots might be preventing them from being successful in their hiring process. Not saying just because you're hiring a a black or a Latinx coach that you're going to be successful. That's not what I'm saying here, but to ignore that there are capable coaches available every year, from the college ranks or maybe assistant coaches in the you know the NFL, they are there and they year after year they go about being paraded around during the real real without being offered a head coaching job. That does happen. So but let's also acknowledge that there are head coaches that have done their due diligence about hiring and bringing on minority coaches to their staff and in, in, in hopes of getting them on getting their faces out there. I know Bruce Arians does it. Um, yeah, he has Byron Leftwood just as offense coordinator right now. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said about it. Progress. I have no idea where they're going to be at this time in five years, but I hope hopefully it's a lot better. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, it's one of those things that we, we bring up a lot. Don't, bring up a problem unless you have a solution. And, and unfortunately I don't have a solution for this because it's, you don't, how do you fix something that's that blatantly that obvious, you know, without putting some sort of weird attachment to, I don't know. I have no idea, but there are, there are capable candidates out there that don't get the opportunities. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They knew they knew for sure that this was something that wasn't going to fly. I don't believe it ever would have passed, but they for sure tabled it. So we will definitely bring this issue back up whenever they do. But it's something that definitely needs to be looked at. Something that definitely needs to be addressed. So hopefully they will do so in the future. Coming up also in the meetings, Dane, some rule change proposals. They got rid of, I didn't put this in the notes, but they got rid of that uh, being able to review pass interference thing that they had last year, which <laughs> it was. That failed miserably. It failed. We, you know, it was something that never, never worked. So they just got rid of it. But among the NFL rule change proposals is a fourth and 15 play replacing the onside kick. Due to change in the rules to help player safety, recovering an onside kick became harder than ever. Instead of just letting that be the case, the NFL is thinking about a radical change to its rules to make it easier to get an onside kick. Among the NFL's rule change proposals, allowing teams the option of a 4th and 15 play from their own 25 to maintain possession after a score. According to NFL media's Tom Pelissero, it can be used a maximum of twice per game. There is growing support for the rule in the NFL, according to Albert Breer. One of those leagues had that... For sure, where you can do the fourth and fifteen, you know, onside kicks because they change the spacing between the kickoff team and the receiving team on the kickoff, so you won't have 
those crazy collisions that you had from a few years ago. So it's been harder than ever to recover an onside kick. So how do you feel about a fourth and 15 on your own 25? If what? The limits, yes. the limits of being only, being only able to use it twice. Sign me up for the fourth and long situation. But I don't like the, you can only do it twice a game. Like that's stupid. If it's successful, if my problem or my issue is it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a cap on it. Neither should there be a cap on, you know, challenges, but that's just my opinion. But I think it'd be good for the game. It, you want to find a way to keep your audience and your fans in their seats with a minute and three seconds to go within a one possession game. That is the way to do it because this way it eliminates some really, really, really ugly football at the end after the game is out of reach. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. Patrick Mahomes tweeted, tweeted about it. He said fourth and 15. I think he put like a emoji, like players for sure are going to be for the role offensively coaches for sure. I think it's something that, like you said, will keep the entertainment level high and onside kicks don't work anymore. They don't. That show they don't work anymore. Madden they don't work. <laughs> but it's something the league is going to vote on on May twenty eighth. So that's the end of this week, Dane. What's the name? Twenty. Yeah, the end of this week. So we'll see. I I I agree with you. I think it's a rule that why not, man? I don't see any negatives. I only see positive. Yeah, one possible. One possible negative. Okay. You're, what's it, you said fifteen. It was fourth and fifteen. Fourth and fifteen on your own twenty five yard line. So. This is perfect, and it's good that you said this right after you brought up the challenging, you know, pass interference. The only downside I could see to this would be automatic first downs based on defensive pass interference. That's the only way I could see this is a bad idea, especially in questionable times of the game. When it's definitely not a defensive pass interference, it just, you know, you know how it happens. Yeah. The both the receiver and the corner get handsy and then the, of course the last person that does anything typically the DB because the wide receiver is focused on going up for the ball. But I can see that making this ugly, which I I think you know no I can see why they can say mm-hmm. we're only limiting this to X amount of times a game. But I that's probably the only negative thing I could see about it, but that would be pretty exciting. Yeah. Like what better way to shut up the other team from coming back? Then your defense picking them off or batting down a pass in a situation like that, like that is huge. That would that would be huge. Yeah. And you know they got to pass the ball. They have to pass the ball. Who's going to run the ball in that situation? So, I, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I hope it passes. I agree. So we mentioned the NCAA earlier, mentioning or bringing out their plan to come back. But they also are facing another situation as far as a university lack of institutional control. And this time is Stephen F. Austin. An article from ESPN says Stephen F. Austin faces a series of penalties, including the vacating of games for a lack of institutional control violation level one involving the erroneous certification of 82 student athletes in nine sports over the past decade. So long story short, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, Dane, a lot of basically a lot of these students were being given the pass, even if they weren't passing. If, if yeah. that, am I saying that correct? So they had they came up with an insufficient academic progress rate, and looks like SFA, the current um, athletic director, got ahead of it first and notified the NCAA of what's had been going on. Because from what I read, the saying athletic director and the people that are in charge of, of the athletics department that are there now weren't there when these violations occurred. So I guess a little bit of research was done on past reports and this came up. So the current administration went ahead, went ahead and notified the NCAA to get ahead of it rather than allowing the NCAA to find out later and having more penalties and stuff come about. But it looks like a lot of what they did over the past few years would be vacated, including a national or NCAA tournament basketball victory and a number of other uh, conference championships, postseason ban for next season. Not next season, but the year after that. But, Dane, it seems like just the whoever's in charge at the time just didn't give a care and just like, hey, we're going to ride until the wheels fall off basically and and apparently the wheels didn't fall off till after these people in charge left so it's unfortunate for the people at the university that had nothing to do with this kind of like you know the situation at Baylor that's still not resolved yet but the people that were there previously is just it's not right obviously and it's like horrible horrible management and it's. I don't want to say a lot of schools are probably doing this, but they need it's, to get in line. Yeah, yeah, it happens, yeah, it happens, and they need to get in line as far as making sure their ducks are in a row. But what what are your thoughts on this? It just breaks my heart, Deontay. <laughs> I know it does. It just breaks my heart that someone would allow this to happen. That's just bad leadership, Deontay. Seems like it. But you know what? In all this, I'm just thankful that this series of cheating finally caught up to them. Cheaters never win. Um, it's horrible for the current athletes. You know, some of those the, the commits that haven't even stepped foot on campus. It, even those who had nothing to do with the cheating that transpired uh, between those years. But at the same time, is how how do you hold them accountable when a lot of those students had already left, you know, like aside from the public embarrassment from the university standpoint, like how, what is the proper way to hold teams accountable? So that type of thing doesn't happen. And then two, or my last thing I was going to say on that, uh, you know, my catch is man, they really haven't beat Sam Houston in nine years. <laughs> I'll wait for that to come. Amazing. Dane is the same oh, Houston grad. They, they haven't beat Sam Houston since 2011. That's just amazing. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's not important. I shouldn't gloat in the face of my uh, adversaries like that. So. It's unfortunate. Like people in control, like we said, that aren't there anymore, that can't really be given discipline or won't face responsibility for what they did. It's just unfortunate for those that are still there. Yeah. It's something that's going to hurt them athletically for a while as far as 
recruits coming in. It, it'll 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 be something that'll probably affect them for the next ten ten years, maybe longer. And they they didn't get the official axe like SMU did, right? But the which is totally on topic because they're just now SMU is just now getting yeah, like back. That's a good point. Like consistently putting out great great draft picks, um, especially from or prim- primarily from the receiver standpoint, but. SMU is just now getting back to their dominance. Um, I wouldn't say dominance, but I'd say they're getting back to that competitive you know, level. Yeah, fifteen to twenty-five overall rank because they right. they were climbing and then they ended up losing, unfortunately. Yeah, that, but I was pushing for them. But shout out and to then finan- financially for SFA, that's gonna hurt. I think I got to pay like ninety-six thousand. But for a school like SFA, I mean, I, I don't know what their finances are like, but any type of money in the thousands oh, yeah. is going to affect you in some kind of way. So it's unfortunate that they have to go through it. It's unfortunate for the student athletes that had nothing to do with it, for the administration yeah. had nothing to do with it. And it's just something that they're going to have to deal with. And hopefully, like you said, a good example with SMU, maybe years down the line, they can get back to where they were competing on an athletic, high athletic level. Topic that I've been waiting for. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. <laughs> the topic that I've been waiting for, man. What's that, Deontay? All right. We're video game nerds, Dane. We love to play video games. We've been Max. playing them all our lives. And we talked about on previous episodes how 2K and uh-huh. signed this deal with the NFL to... Uh-huh come out with games that aren't simulation style games and we had alluded to this them probably being down the line being able to excuse me being able to get a simulation game in similar to the old ESPN NFL 2K games but that may not be the case because the NFL owners likely to vote in favor of extending EA Sports Madden NFL exclusive license so albert breer tweeted another big voting matter for next week's virtual owners meeting which we had been talking about throughout the episode today nfl teams will vote to ratify a five-year extension of their video game licensing agreement with ea sports through the 2026 season people have asked if ea sports deal would be exclusive here's the language end quote the exclusive right to manufacture, market, and distribute NFL-themed realistic action simulation video games. So, and also according to Steve Noah of Operation Sports, it looks like most of the owners are going to agree to extend the EA Sports license. And to much much to our dismay, we talked about it, Dane. It, it seems like, for one, 
the owners are not concerned with what the consumer of the product think about this game because we have talked about the flaws with this game, the bugs the past few years, the stagnant staleness of the game as far as adding features that the consumers want. And it seems like all the owners see is the money that it makes for them, which if if you're an owner, especially if you're an owner that doesn't even look at a video game, you just see those numbers, you're like, okay, why would I want to mess this up? But us as the consumer, we know we play the product almost every day because people can say, why do you play it then? Like, well, there's nothing else to play as far as having some type of NFL game and we could boycott it. But at the same time as we enjoy NFL, we have our favorite teams. We want to be able to play with our favorite teams, but it's something that's like, as a fan, you're stuck in purgatory because you want to, you want to enjoy it, but you, you know how much, of a problem this game has become over the years and you know that there's nothing you can really do about it because there's not a competitor coming like we've assumed initially so do you share those same feelings i do uh, as far as being stuck like why are we in this moment like how, how are you feeling about this news it's heartbreaking Deontay. let me tell you why it's heartbreaking for the longest especially during these times of COVID-19. We are secluded to being in the house or we made the conscious decision to stay in the house. And there are times of boredom. You get tired of watching Netflix. You get tired of you know watching stuff on TV. Sometimes you get tired of reading books. You go to a video game. And what's that? We're not in football season at the moment, so we play football on a video game simulation. And unfortunately, that particular video game simulation is very very, and horribly flawed. I tell my wife when we're watching, you know, Netflix and stuff all the time, and I'll, sometimes I'll play the game at the same time, I'll be like, I really hate this game, but I love this game. I get really pissed off when something happens that's it's uncontrollable. There's nothing you can do about it. It just happens. Whether it's a horrible animation, something very unrealistic, or being chased down by a defensive tackle that runs five second forty and you're, you know, running away or assuming you're running away with a receiver that runs a four three and you get caught. These things happen and there's nothing you can do about it except for not buy it. But here we are. Three or four years removed from the last time I said I wouldn't buy another Madden. Still buying them. But it's exactly as you said. You need something to pass the time. You enjoy playing football. So that's exactly what you do. But the issue is the the guys over at EA, they prioritize certain modes in Madden that generate the most money. That is the Madden Ultimate Team. Why I just discovered the Madden Ultimate Team on this year's Madden about two weeks ago, I haven't been able to put it down. Not for the same reason that the folks over the EA ooze and drool over it, but that particular mode in Madden, of course, as many of you know or probably don't know, that brings in a lot of money by way of microtransactions. And, of course, one way, one 
unethical way that brings in a lot of money is by gambling. It's not necessarily, you know, you know, kids showing up at the slots and putting in a few tokens to, you know, possibly win something. It's more so as you purchasing in-game currency by way, or you purchasing in-game currency with the hopes of opening a package, and in that package you possibly having a card of your choosing, but the likelihood of you actually getting a card that you like is it's very small. So that's high risk, low reward. And until that particular function or that particular section is separate from Madden, it will never change. Because if that cash cow continues to bring you money, what what is going to incentivize you to change the game or to add anything new to it or to change the thing that they haven't changed in years, the franchise mode? And we've seen this. During the release of the game back in August or September, there was old graphics or there were old graphic imprints on the game. There was old, you know, team logos on the game. So we know it's some of these modes are just literally copied and pasted. So there's, I don't know, the owners don't play the game. So there's no way that they're going to turn this or, you know, they're not going to do anything different than what they've been doing. That particular, I mean, it's, it's the likeliness of the players. Of course, it's the likeliness of their teams, and they have a stake in that. But that particular vote should come down from the players. They have the most. A lot of them are probably playing right now or have been playing it. So they know how frustrating that game is. So they'd probably be the best people to get the feedback from. So, And a good point that you mentioned off that, the players playing the game, they also play in real life so they would be the ones to know if the game is more realistic or not realistic based on having experience in real life so you had sent me this tweet from this guy i I don't want to mess his name up Uh, uchi yeah and he had said he tweeted i judge the quality he's tweeting to the one of the developers of Madden. A and he former tweeted, player. A former player tweeting to one of the developers of Madden. He said, I just the quality. Player as well. Oh, oh yeah, he was. He was. Mm-hmm. He said, I just the quality of an NFL simulation game based on the level of authenticity in regard to the fundamental structure of football on a professional level. When I play football, it is a paramount that the game represent what I know to be football logic. And he said something else, but the tweet said continue, but I can't find the rest of it. Yeah, he, he drops a lot of bombs when he's talking but, to Clint. Right, and he's talking to Clint, and Clint's been getting, you know, into little spats with different people on Twitter. But long story short, man, we if you're a gamer and if you're listening and you play Madden, you, you've probably seen many glitches, bugs, animations, things that you won't see in a regular game. And those that are listening, like, hey, it's a video game. It's not real life. But if you're if you are presenting your game as simulation, it should simulate like a real game. That's what it. That's what you're. You yeah, you are promoting promoting that. So it and like Dane said, they seem to be catering toward the microtransactions and things of that nature that have become so dominant in video games today and becoming an exclusive rights owner of NFL, it seems like they're like 
they're not listening to the consumer and they're like, shut up, you're going to buy because there's nothing else to buy. Right now, they're right because... They're 100% right. I mean, they're right. And the owners, unfortunately, looks like we're going to be in a circle where I don't know what it's going to take to break it. Maybe at the end of this next license, five, six years down the road. But man, I maybe what if they my only hope and this just came to my mind with whatever 2K does. And now 2K is not perfect either because we had some gripes about their basketball franchise. But when they had the football franchise, it was one of the best to ever, ever come out. But whatever they decide to do, whatever 2K decides to do with this NFL license, I, I don't know if it's going to be arcadey, but if it's impressive enough to, I guess the owners, since they want, they're the ones that vote on it, which doesn't make sense, but Maybe they can impress them enough to maybe think about having two franchises like it used to be covering or making NFL football games. But it's unfortunate. But right now, as a consumer, it looks like we're stuck for another five, six years at the very least, unless they ratify it again at that point. But and Madden, maybe who knows? Maybe they'll listen and maybe they'll make things better and we'll be satisfied. But something. Maybe they'll hear these outcries of people being upset about this deal going down, and maybe they're like, hey, we need to reset. We have the PlayStation 5 coming out and Xbox Series X coming out. We got to step it up because our years with the PS4 and Xbox One were not good. So let's go back to the drawing board. Let's do what we got to do to be the best like we used to be. Or So anything else you got on this, bro? No, I think you said everything. I'll leave the... Uh... The listeners and viewers with this, the final impression that they want to leave on us or on anybody who watched that last man in comp that last televised man competition is Ooh. we want to make sure that the viewers that watched the yeah, guy tell, who won. Tell, tell them tell them about that, bro, because that still has yeah. me upset. So the guy there was a um a Madden Ultimate team, which Madden Ultimate team they you basically you can play with current players or you can play with former players and, and things like that's in short what it is. So you have the top the top man players in the world compete in this particular tournament. And the winner of that tournament, who of course you would go on to assume that's the best Madden player of that the best Madden player that year on that Madden, that's 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 what you would assume. This guy did not have a quarterback on his roster. This was intentional. It wasn't on accident. He used a left-handed punter to play quarterback and he won. The reason why he used a left-handed punter was the animations that you see with the left-handed punter are much quicker and faster when he hands off the ball to the running back than a punter with the right hand. So in doing so, all he did was run the ball. because, And it's not because, you know, well, it's because the game is broken and it's based off of animations, which it shouldn't be. It should be based off of skill alone. He beat the guy, I think it was like 17-0 or 24-0, something like that. A shutout in the championship game is unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. But if anybody is associated with EA or anybody is associated with the man that just came out, you should be very embarrassed that the guy who won the tournament did so by only running the ball, which is not not a portrayal or, or not – it's not authentic football. This is not, you know, the, the 1940s. That's no one does that. 
not even the Dallas Cowboys. No one lines up and runs 40 to 50 run plays and wins a championship. And that's not the way that it's done. So it's that if that wasn't the last straw, I don't know what was, but that was very embarrassing. Um, and the freaking cover, the, the guy on the cover of the game is a quarterback. You need all 22 players or 24 for counting your kicker and your punter. No disrespect to the kickers and the punters. You need all 24 players to win a football game. Every single last one of them. And when you take one of those players out of the equation, your game is flawed. And that's exactly what happened. No disrespect to Gale Sayers because that was his running back. Gale Sayers is awesome. Half of them on my team as well. That's beside the point. Um, that was just embarrassing. So hopefully they use that as, as you know, ammunition to make the game better to make sure that the next guy who wins doesn't do so by exploiting, you know, an animation, flawed animation in the game. So, rant over. Apologize. I don't apologize. I don't take anything back. Yeah, man, 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 get 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 your stuff in order. Get your stuff in order. Bring back, bring back the good old days. In nerdy, nerdy news, we always seem to talk about Dane the MCU, but we rarely get to talk about the DC EU or whatever they're calling it. Is because we're so. Yeah, we've been so disgusted with the DC beca- with DC because it seems like they don't know what direction they want to go in. But guys at the top. Over, yeah, I agree. Over the weekend, it was announced through this Zoom Vero type thing. Zack Snyder was having a uh, watch party for Men of Steel. He was answering different questions about the movie, and then boom. He announced that the infamous Justice League Snyder Cut will finally be revealed. And there was a lot of rumors if this thing even existed. But yeah, man, it's going to drop with HBO Max in 2021. And so this article from Hollywood Reporter says HBO Max will debut the project in 2021, possibly in a four-hour director's cut or in six TV-style chapters as the Helmer gets the gang back together with the original score, post-production crew to score, cut, and finish visual effects. And apparently Warner Brothers slash AT&T gave him $20 million to finish it up. So that's for... For what we saw in Justice League, we weren't satisfied. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And for those that don't know, Zach, Zack Snyder was originally di- the director of this film because he directed BVS and Man of Steel is right, right Dane? He, yeah. he was the director. Okay. And so while they were filming and working on Justice League, his uh, his daughter committed suicide. So he, he left the project and Josh Whedon, who for the MCU, for MCU fans, he was the director for the first Avengers and Age of Ultron. Am I right on that? Did you yeah. direct both of those? Okay. So he came in and finished the, the project and a lot of fans weren't satisfied with it. And there has long been rumored that the Steiner cut was out there. And while talking about this Snyder cut, Zack Snyder said that 
what we saw with Justice League was approximately one fourth of what he actually did. So it's kind of crazy to think about, especially with so many things that went on in that movie. And I actually went back day and watched uh, the BVS director's cut. I, Platform, talk, or you, you, you own that? I, I bought it. I bought oh, it to I was watch about it. To say, let me know. Okay. Yeah, Excellent. I bought it on Xbox and watched it, and uh, it was a lot of it was it was pretty good. So it's in your library. The, what? Say that again. It's in your library then. On Xbox, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay, cool, cool. We can try to. We gotta be in the hush hush now. Yeah, so I watched that and I I really don't remember. I mean, I, rem- I could definitely tell the scenes that were different than the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. And it made, like Brody had mentioned, it made the story more complete to me. Still some flaws here and there, but overall, I could see. Um, what the director was trying to do. And I could compare that to what I think would happen with Justice League as well. So what, when you first thought of, or first heard this news, what was your first reaction? I was excited. The DCEU needed a win. Even if it came four years late, they needed a win. There has been rumors about the Snyder cut for years. Right. And there have been years of people involved with the film denying that it even existed. So for them to acknowledge it is one thing. For them to admit and acknowledge and successfully market that, hey, we're going to have this available to the users this time next year, that was huge. Not only did it do that, but that particular film, that left a lot of, well, that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, Henry Cavill to be one, and of course Ben Affleck to be a number one, another one, which both we, I mean, I assumed that they would be around for a long time with their portrayals as, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne. I did too. But of course that relationship or that contract was severed with both of those two guys um, for whatever reasons, for whatever reasons. But it seems like they're all back on board now and that can only mean great things. If that comes out or when it comes out next year, and if I'm assuming it's going to be much better than the, the film that we received years ago, that's huge for the cinematic universe because it provides one thing that we, one thing that made the MCU great. And that was character continuity. We have the same characters over and over and over again for X amount of years without any type of recast, same, you know, on-screen chemistry. We had association with particular actors and roles so much that we didn't see them as actors anymore. We saw them as that particular person or that particular portrayal. And to give the DC universe that same opportunity is huge. And it doesn't matter if you're a team Marvel or team DC. It just, if you're a movie goer, comic book fan, whatever you should appreciate and, you know, bask in, bask in this glorious time that we have, especially considering this is still fresh. So all the ideas that may or may not, you know, take place or that's, this is the prime opportunity for feedback to be passed to their team because they are still in that early stage of bringing back people. I don't think they've started bringing back people, but I'm sure the write-ups have still, you know, are ongoing. And whenever they do 
physically get in the same place and, you know, start to redo those reshoots, they can use that feedback and, you know, some of the, that, what am I trying to say here? They can use a lot of that feedback moving forward to make sure that they get the best product out to the, the people who appreciate it the most. So, but I was, I was caught off way, I was caught way off guard with that. When you and, when y'all was talking about that, I was like, wait a minute. What is this bull? Like, yeah, I just don't believe that y'all are just saying that just to, you know, what I'm saying. But sure enough, when I I knew it was the only way that I knew it was real was when Ben Affleck tweeted. I was like, wait a minute, that guy who wanted nothing to do with the character or the film or anything else anymore. Like that guy when he said, you know, something about it, I was like, okay, I'm in. So yeah, I, say what you want about Ben Affleck's acting, but that his portrayal. I love them as Batman. Of, 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 of Batman was. Pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so they're talking about either making it like a series type or <laughs> a four hour, however long straight drop. Which would you prefer? Give me the series. You know why? Because oh. fans love build up. The best way to build up is if you release something. Let's say if they do a six week run where they don't give you all the episodes at once, you have to wait every single week for a new episode to drop. They do it that way. They're going to do it the right way. That is, I mean, that'd be just like an authentic, you know, cartoon or comic book publishing. You don't get all the issues at one time. They, they, they put those events out. Yeah. They, they put those out, you know, they spread them out so that it can build up. So I would hate it, but I would love it. I would hate waiting for it every single week, but I would love it because they took the time to allow, the fans' interpretation or the fans' viewing and processing of the information they put out there, whether it's an hour or two hours a piece, they allowed the fans to play with that, mold that, think about that, reminisce on that for a week at a time before they drop the, new, the, the next episode. So I, I'd rather them do it in advance because at that point in time, you, you know how popular – think we just wrapped up last week with you know the interview with Derwin of how nostalgic it was to get those two episodes every single week. Like when you break it down like that, you appreciate it more. You get to go more in detail versus, you know, they could still do a four hour movie, but it, it, it just will hit a lot harder if it's in several different acts. So you took the words, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to build off that and mention how we, these last few weeks we were watching and anticipating the last dance yeah. and even on social media, it was a live event. And I'm sure if yeah. they did it this way, it would be another live event. People tweeting about it, friends talking about it. It would be every night or wherever they decide to drop it. It would be an event, a worldwide event for six weeks or however many parts they decide to break it into. That mm-hmm. is only going to, shoot up views, shoot up instead of dropping one four hour cut and that could be right. That instead of doing a four hour director's cut that could be here today and gone tomorrow because the mind of this generation is the nowness of it and like they it's here one time and it's gone the next. So I agree with you with as far as making it a cut. They haven't decided what they're going to do, but I I think they'd be smart to go in that direction especially after seeing what something like the last dance did captivating audience audiences every week. And peace so, this Deontay. Yeah. Peep this. They can take this to the next level. 
right? And DC, if you're listening, you need a consultant. Hire your boy. I got one for you. You smell me? One thing we can't do right now is go to the movies, right? Well, you could. You could go to the movies. You sit in the parking lot and, you know, there's no one. There's, you're going to be the only one there. You can go to the movies. But we can't go to the movies. What they could do, along with releasing this week by week on their streaming platform, they could release this in movie theaters this time next year, right? Bring back some of that movie nostalgia, those fan moments where everyone's in there together, going through all those scenes together. Present that in some sort of package where you have, if there are five different episodes, they have five different movie tickets on five separate nights that you can come to whatever movie theater is doing this, you know, a draft house or whatever, and bam, roll it out. And you think, you, you thought it was one thing when you've seen those lines for Batman versus Superman and stuff like that, you're really going to be in for it when you see the lines for people every single or for five weeks in a row to get into a movie theater to see a movie that they've already seen before. Like, it's just stuff. Yeah. That's for free. For free. For free. Maybe that free free. But we'll decide, or we'll see what <laughs> we'll decide. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could decide it. We'll see what the no, DC right. and Snyder and those guys decide to do. But our new Batman is Robert Pattinson, <laughs> and he is alongside John David Washington. Is that his name, Dan? Yes. Okay. Alongside exactly John David Washington in Christopher Nolan's Tenant, and let's talk about Christopher Nolan, man. He. He does movies the way no other director has ever done a movie before. He's got a brand. Yeah, it's he has he has a theme set and he sticks to that theme. For those that have seen Inception, he's a director of Inception, Dunkirk, uh, of course the Dark Knight trilogy and mm-hmm. Memento way back in the day. So, he has a new movie coming out with John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Gary Oldman, and it is Tenet. And so, Dane, I've watched the Tenet trailer two to three times. And I, it, it has my mind. I'm like this every time, like trying to think what it's going to be about. I understand. Well, I think I understand that it's going to be about time, the inverse of time. But the trailer itself was crazy. Amazing. It had everything you want in a trailer as far as captivating you, but also not letting you know too much about it. And so what what do you think about the trailer? And if you can help me understand what you think this movie is going to be about. Okay. So, boom. You forgot to mention one other thing. Okay. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. So... Every Christopher Nolan movie, I, I swear, every Christopher Nolan movie, Michael Caine is in it. And my, Michael Caine is, is Alfred from the. Did Dark I mistake? Rises, did I Dark mistake Night. Gary Oldman for Michael Caine? No, Gary Oldman was in there. Gary okay, Oldman was okay. A, he was a commissioner okay. Gordon. Michael Caine's uh, he, he's but he's uh, in Tenet too. Yeah, Michael Caine's okay. in there. No, I meant yeah. Gary Oldman. Oh, oh, uh, I don't know. I, Maybe. I think is, I think I, I meant Michael. I meant Michael Caine, but I said Gary Oldman. Oh, I don't think cool. I don't know if Gary Oldman. Both, but continue. They're both amazing actors, so that yeah. I mean that that's that's okay. They're both both amazing. Actors. But Michael Caine, if you know if you see Michael Caine in a movie and Christopher Nolan's directing that mug, 
movie's gonna be good. So that's I I mean, that's all you need to know. Movie's gonna be great. You just gotta figure out how we're gonna see it. If they're gonna be in theater. Yeah. I don't know how that's gonna work. I'm still gonna go see the movie. Maybe. No, let me take that back. I'll probably have to wait if they stream it because I'm not gonna go out in public like that. But anyways, the thing that I love the most about Christopher Nolan movies is there's always some <laughs> there's always some extra deep level of something in the movie. It's almost like a J. Cole song. It's like there's a surface the surface level of the song and then after you listen to it, you know, the ten thousandth time, you're like, Oh man, he was actually talking about finding a cure for the common cold. It's something crazy like that. But there's always levels to all of his movies. Like there's always some sort of twist turn or something that's all right. I'm not going to understand this unless I see it a second time type of movie. That's Christopher Nolan is the king of consistently putting out movies where you cannot just watch the movie once. You have to watch it a few times because you won't understand it until you do so. Prime example, Inception. Inception. People have seen that movie like multiple times and still don't understand. Like it's probably one of the, it's no, it's top five, one of the top five greatest movies of all time. Inception. Like, watch the movie time. Anyways, Tenet is, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And that's what I appreciate the most about the, the movie. Um, there's some element of space time continuum being altered while the present around you is still going forward. So, and I just confused my own self by saying that, but it's just the unknown of how can this possibly be possible, even though it's a movie, it's a sci-fi movie. It's not possible. However, it has to make some sort of sense. And that's the only reason why I'm going to go see this movie, because it doesn't make any sense. But I know by the second or third or fourth time that I see it, oh, that makes sense. But another thing, John David Washington, like his come up, like huge Uh from ballers and the Black Klansman and just everything he's been involved with. Like, man, like he's really making his own. I mean, he's he's doing his thing. Um, and I, I remember I heard one of his interviews once, and that's one of the things he, you know, he's the son of Denzel, but he never wanted to be no. thought in that way. Of course, he loves his dad, but he wanted to yeah. make a name for himself. And he, he never, right, right. He never wanted to be that kid or guy to be like, I'm this great actor's son. And he's made a name for himself. And I think this is going to be one of, it's going to be probably the best movie of the year, man. Yeah, it's just it's got everything you would want from a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. And so we like like we say, we don't really know what it's about, and that's a good thing. Yeah, most of the time it. most of the time when you hear that, I don't know what this movie's gonna be about, you'd be like, I'm not gonna see that. Yeah. But see with Christopher Nolan, you just know he's gonna bring that fire with it. You know, it's gonna have a theme, a concept. It's probably gonna be a movie you're gonna have to watch multiple times to fully understand it, but uh it just from everything I saw in the trailer is something that captivated me and I'm sure captivated a lot of the audience as well. So the, the, the amazing and consistent thing about it is when you have three people that are on the same page, the movie is typically great. Those three people, the writer, the producer and director. Christopher Nolan is from most of his popular movies. He has been the writer, the producer, and the director. 
So there's an amazing way to wrap your mind around that. If all three of those people are in sync, they have the same vision, the execution is there, and what could possibly go wrong? And I think that's what we have here. We have a, it comes off like a James Bond movie meets, I mean, it's like a James Bond movie meets time travel, a time travel movie. Because most, you know, all of James Bond movies, they have, there's a, a an intense element of realism. You, you know, of course you have your fancy, you know, gadgets with watches and, you know, cars that, you know, fly and, and drive on water and stuff like that. But for the most part, there's a lot of realism associated with James Bond to an extent, you know, him, you know, yeah, it, that, I'm lost for words, Deontay. Yeah. But all, yes. I, I said all that to say this. I'm going to watch the trailer again after we finish this podcast. And then, of course, <laughs> we can hash it out again and what I missed. Something. But yeah, we'll come back to it. But much like many people, I'm before the movie comes out, I'm definitely going to go on a, a Christopher Nolan binge and watch most of his catalog, most of the movies from his catalog, just to, in the, the just in, in the spirit of things. Right. That's all. I if you haven't seen That's the trailer yet, go see that man. It's on YouTube. Even though they promoted it originally, what on Fortnite. But I waited for it to drop on YouTube and it dropped. So go see the trailer if you haven't and let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Oh, yeah. You can hit us on Twitter at DS Right Steps, Dane BTX, or our podcast at Duo SNS Podcast, or the Instagram of that same name at Duo. Duo SNS podcast, or my Instagram at DFs Right Steps, or the Duo Facebook, which is also a Duo SNS podcast. And yeah, you could hit us up on either of those platforms. And mm-hmm. I say it again five times. Shout out to my brother Keith Boney. He uh, Keith. Keith listens to us every episode. Keith really, he told me, Dane, he said we're his sports center. He doesn't watch sports. like So the way he catches up on sports, he listens to our podcast. So that's pretty cool. Appreciate that, brother. He also hit us up and said, he said, y'all are the Russell Wilson draft pick of podcasts, LOL. And that's so funny because Russ was overlooked. And Russ had somebody in front of him when he got drafted. Like he stepped into Seattle, Matt Flynn. They played Matt Flynn this fat contract. I think, I think maybe like thirty mil. And he basically supplanted him. Yeah. So we're we're underrated right now, but we we still fight. You know, we still fighting doing our thing. Damn. Time. So that means we're gonna end up throwing an interception on the one yard line. Chill. Chill. What podcast is that? Okay, my bad. <laughs> hey, we got a ring, though. We got a ring. You still waiting to get that ring? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, any, mm. anything else you got to say Appreciate to the people, that, bro? Yeah, thank you, Keith. Uh, nah, man. Um, nah, nah. I mean, I love the comparison. Yeah. Uh, third round to one of the best quarterbacks, and definitely top five, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Top five quarterback in the league right now. I'm just surprised it, you know, doesn't have any spinal column issues for 
putting the team on his back <laughs> this entire time. Rex. So, Rex. Uh, no, uh, nothing to say. Appreciate the viewers and listeners. And of course, please, 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 please. The best thing you could possibly do is just give us feedback. We're going to continue to make this uh, as enjoyable and as fun, as informative. Um, did I already say fun? I think I did. Fun as possible. We can't do that unless we have your feedback. So if you're able to provide that in any way, shape, or form possible, definitely do that, whether that's the tweets, Yante's Instagram, the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast pages anywhere, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's personal or phone call, it's not email, uh, or Messenger Bird. We will definitely appreciate that feedback. I don't have nothing else to say. Uh, hopefully, y'all have a great day. And, um, be safe out there. Continue to yeah. practice social distancing and be smart. If you're going out there, they're starting to open up stuff, of course, but just be smart, be mindful, be aware of things around you, people around you. And let's continue to make those numbers decrease and flatten the curve, as we always like to say. And for Dane Beasley, I am Deontay Epps. And you have just listened in or watched another episode of the Duo Sports and Spuff podcast. We thank you and we are out. Get out! Get out! Get out!